Hello, I'm Maddie, and if my cats could talk, it would be 100% please for chicken. Hi, I'm Al, and I'm your resident Victorian nerd for literature. And behold, manga! So, the title we're going to be talking about today is The Earl and the Fairy, um, original concept by Mizu Tani, and the story and art by Ayuko. So, The Earl and the Fairy is manga is an adaptation of the first two volumes of the original light novel, which ran for 27 volumes and has four volumes of short stories. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's the light novel. I was wondering. Um, there's also an anime that covers the first three volumes. Huh. Um, so... Content and trigger warnings include death, fantasy violence, kidnapping, human trafficking, sexual abuse, specifically of children, and animal death. I'm going to say also um, the inherent racism that comes with the phrase white slavery. Oh, yeah. There's that, too. (laughs) All right. That's the whole thing. I think that covers it. Yeah. So first we're going to do a spoiler-free summary, and then we're going to do a spoiler-containing summary. And uh, you're going to time me? How much time do I I'm have? I'm going to time you. 30 seconds. For this you ready? Break. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Ready? Yeah. Set. Go. Um, so our main character, Lydia, is a fairy doctor, which means she can see fairies and she has, like, knowledge of them and stuff. And she lives in Scotland and then she meets this... She, there's, there's some kidnapping that occurs. She meets this dude, Edgar, who is, like, the shoujo spoon love interest guy. And they go on adventures that have to do with fairies in... Um, and like a kind of Victorian England? Is it Victorian? Yeah, sure. It's like an English setting. You know, they all wear floofy like dresses and stuff. Done. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> 30 seconds is not there. much time. Woo. Okay, I'm ready. You ready for the spoiler one? Yeah, now we're going to talk spoilers. Three, two, one. So there's kind of, you can break it down into volumes one and two and volumes three and four. So in volumes one and two, they're trying to find a sword that has a stone in it that Edgar, who's the the, the, the shoujo guy, is looking for. He's got his two servants with him, I guess. He wants to be an earl. They eventually find the stone with some mermaids. It's pretty cool. Volumes three and four, the queen has recognized him as an earl and Lydia's working for him as his fairy doctor. And they go on more fairy adventures that have to do with the fog three, man. two... One. Done. Oh, I thought you said I was done already, but I had three more seconds. I claim my three <laughs> seconds back, okay? And they, uh, they kill a guy, I think. Or maybe he doesn't die. They do something to him. He's a bad guy. Also, uh... Wait, 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 wait. Also, Edgar was sold into slavery when he was a child, and that gave him a lot of um, problems that he should really seek therapy <laughs> We're gonna go into more depth about these characters. Oh, yeah. Worry. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about our history with this. I have never read this before, um, and this was my first time, and I read it on Libby. So I have read this, um, I don't know how many times I've read this, probably like three times. Hmm. Yeah, I'd say three times. So I got the first volume from my cousin, who has never read manga, so he did a really good job picking it out. Um, And then I bought the other three, like, right after I finished the first volume. Nice. 
Something you need to know about Al is that if she gets one thing, like one manga volume, she literally can't not buy the rest of it. It's kind of a curse that you have, actually. <laughs> I just don't like unfinished things. Like, you also can't buy out. it, like if it's a different like cover or something. You can't do that. You got to get oh, rid of that. And yeah. Change it out. I know. I. And you like, can't buy them out of order. There's a lot of rules to living on Al's bookshelf. Because if I buy them out of order and then it goes out of print, then I have, like, these random volumes and the story just doesn't match up, you know? I don't know. My bookshelf's a mess. Anyway. I like mine organized. <laughs> it's just a thing I No, do. it's beautiful. I'm not saying it's not beautiful, honey. It's great. It's really good. Okay, um... <laughs> so let's get into um, The Early and the Fairy. So we're going to rewind. We kind of broke it up by volume one and two, and then volume three and yeah. four, because they're two really distinct arcs, which kind of yeah. felt to me like maybe those were different books in the series. I had no idea there were so many books. <laughs> no idea. So it says, I think, right at the very beginning, um, from Cobalt series, um, The Earl and the Fairy, he is an elegant scoundrel. And that is the first volume, which is the first two volumes of the manga. And then volume three is the adaptation of The Earl and the Fairy, Beware of Sweet Traps, cool. which is the second volume of the series and is three and four of the manga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it kind of leaves out, leaves us off then with like a lot of questions, because I assume it goes on for 25 more books. <laughs> so well, I mean, that explains all it, my questions I was going to ask this you. This <laughs> is like 2%, even less than 2% of the entire series oh, that we are getting. I don't think that math is so, correct, but it feels correct. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you think it, it's like two volumes out of 20 plus volumes, so that would be 2%. No. Yes. <laughs> that would be 5%, wouldn't it? No. 2 divided by 20 is 10%. I can't do math. I can't do math! <laughs> Neither of us did the right math. Both of us did math and both of us did it wrong. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, but no. there isn't 20 the volumes, is... there's 27 volumes. This is so embarrassing. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> We're just gonna cut this part. <laughs> the point is, is, we're getting a very All small right. part of the entire story. And I will go into more of the actual, like, what the rest of the story is after the manga concludes. But we're going to rewind back to the beginning of volume one. Volume one and two. Um, yep. So we like to talk about stories in terms of characters when they're like this. Yeah. I wanted to start by asking you who your favorite is overall. I overall. think I know. Okay, this time I'm going to get it right. <laughs> okay. Um, ready? Ready? My favorite? Do you know who my favorite is? Wait. Your favorite? Yeah. Who, who's my favorite? Your favorite, I think, is Nico. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Lydia, but then actually you know me better than I know myself because you're right. It is Nico. Um, Nico is Lydia's cat and he can talk and he's not a cat. And he's basically Morgana from Persona 5, but Al doesn't understand what that is. Um, I'm kind of curious what you think my favorite character is. I think your favorite character is Raven. You are correct. I knew it! Okay. I thought I wasn't friends with you, and I guessed wrong last time. (laughs) Raven is my favorite. Raven, we're going to go into his All is right with the world. We do know each other. We are friends. Okay. Okay. So let's start off with um, Lydia, who is the protagonist of our story here. I would say... this woman has a medical degree. (laughs) I honestly feel like if you read YA novels in like 2008 to like 2013, you would very much recognize the kind of like 
tropes that appear in this series. That's true. Would you agree? Like she's, she's like spunky and she can stand up for herself, but she also her heart thumps when he's around. <laughs> like she thinks she's ugly, but she isn't. She's very kind-hearted, no, no. very That's like true. follows her morals. She's always like, my hair is the color of rust. I'm like, you mean you have red hair? Lots of people have red hair. It's fine. She's also like goes, oh, I'm an independent woman to the point of foolishness, where she acts like really reckless and gets herself in danger, and then she gets like easily swayed by like cheesy lines from Edgar. Like she's very much the YA protagonist of like the 2010 YA series. That's true. I do like that she stands up for herself. I know, I and do And she, like, her. knows her worth. And she is a fairy doctor, but um, fairy doctor just means- I don't know why it's a doctor. It just means that she can see fairies, and she, like, knows about them. Yeah, so, like, the role of the fairy doctor is basically she acts as kind of, like, a therapist between mortals and um, fairies. So- So maybe it's, like, a- a doctorate of psychology. Yeah, kind of. Well, like, psychology, <laughs> but also, yeah, it's more... It's not an MD, it's a PhD. Yeah, it's a PhD. It's more if so we're talking fairy school, that is. I think the idea of, like, their world was that as time went on, the, like, relationship between the fairy realm and the mortal realm kind of, like, faded, so that a lot of mortals are ignorant about what fairies do, so fairies can cause problems that the mortals don't, like, recognize are the cause of the fairies, and then she comes in to, like, kind of fix that broken connection between the two. Yeah. So... And there's lots of really cool, like, it feels like English old stories lore. Not English. Like, the whole UK. Scottish, oh, Irish. milk out for the mm-hmm. brownies and stuff. Yeah. So we meet um, Lydia in a in the Scottish countryside. She is living alone. Her dad is a professor in London, so he's currently living in London. Um, her mother was a fairy doctor as well, but passed away before the story began. Caught the shoujo movies, <laughs> unfortunately. Yep. So she is running a service of fairy doctor, but of course she is essentially the village weirdo. Yeah. Because everybody thinks she's incredibly eccentric and strange and not to approach Because nobody can see fairies. So she's like, just, she can like, see them talking. I think to if they want to be seen, they can take a form that can be seen. Like mm-hmm. people can see Nico the cat, who's yeah. not a cat, um, but they can't hear him talking. They can just see him. Yeah. Though sometimes I don't think they can see him. It, it's just whatever he wants <laughs> it's, in true yeah. cat fashion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she's introduced. She claims she's poor. But I don't think she's she that poor. She a house in the Scottish countryside, so... <laughs> okay, because, like, she's introduced, and then she gets a letter from her father to come visit him in London. So she's like, yeah, I'm gonna go off to London, and it's not gonna be an issue, and Nico's kind of like, like, should you really be going off to London by yourself? And she's like, it's fine, I'm poor, nobody's gonna kidnap me, it's uh, all yeah, like I, I have money. she's poor because, <laughs> because she's a... YA protagonist, yep. like you said. Not because it has any consequences on her life, just because it's an interesting trait to give her. <laughs> and I, like, she was going on about how she's like, don't worry, no one will kidnap me because I'm poor. And it's like, first of all, you're not poor because yeah. you've never worked a day in your life and you live in, like, a Scottish, like, cottage and your dad doesn't even live with you. So he's clearly paying, like, two, like, more. How do you pronounce that word? More, more Mortgages. Mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> Look at like, this adult right here. He doesn't paying... know how to say mortgage. 
he's paying like two mortgages and she's like my dad doesn't have a single penny to his name and it's like are you sure about that <laughs> like she's not part of like the higher class but i would definitely put her in like middle class it's so funny because she also goes on and it's like also even if you didn't have money it doesn't change the fact that you're a young like beautiful woman who has no guardian with you human trafficking yeah. is definitely a thing yeah, it's, like, super a thing in this world, huh? Like, Lydia, child. <laughs> so, of course, right. she gets and kidnapped. you say it. She does. She gets kidnapped <laughs> by Huxley, and then Edgar's there in a wardrobe, and then she gets kidnapped again by Edgar. She gets, like, counter-kidnapped. And I actually, I read this first volume, and then I forgot what happened, and, like, a month later, I went back and reread it, and then I literally have a note that I took that says, oh, he pays her to be there, thank God, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so he does pay her, but uh, I have conflicted feelings about yeah, our friend Edgar. We're, we're gonna get into Edgar soon. So, the thing with why people want Lydia is that they're trying to find this sword. What was the sword called? Oh, Sword of Marrow. And the Marrow Star is like the yeah. gem in it, and then if you can take it, then you're the Blue Knight. So... The Blue Knight was essentially a lord who owns land on both the mortal realm and the fairy realm. And if you are a descendant of the Blue Knight, then you can claim his title and essentially own land in the mortal and fairy realm. And in order to claim that birthright, you have to find the Marrow Star. So you essentially have these people, including Edgar, who claims to be a descendant of the Blue Knight, who are looking for the Marrow Star. And because it is attached to the fairy realm, they're trying to get a fairy doctor who has knowledge about the fairy realm to help them find the sword, which is Lydia. Yes. yes. So Lydia. Exactly. And so that's why she gets kidnapped twice. <laughs> yeah. So she yeah. decides, for whatever reason, to um, join Edgar and his two friends there. At first I think it's because he's paying her, but also because... She's just He's nice. an attractive man and she's a... Why protagonist? <laughs> Why protagonist? I mean, she's also incredibly sheltered and, like, 17. And I think this is, yeah. like, the first time she's left, like, her house, in a sense. And she's also very, like, kind-hearted. Very... Has, like, a moral code that she follows. So she is trying to do the right thing. Yeah. She believes is doing the right thing by Edgar. Or by helping Edgar. Yeah, which is, like, Edgar is the exact opposite of that, where he has no moral code, and it could be an interesting contrast, except it's kind of creepy when it's, like, a man with all the power. Yeah, it, it's very iffy. Do you want to say what you thought of Edgar? I'm conflicted. Um, so Edgar is your typical why love interest. So he's essentially a playboy, but he also has a lot of, like, emotional baggage. And yeah. the source of that was essentially... So at the beginning of the series, he claims that he is the descendant of the Blue Knight. Um, it is revealed that he is not a descendant, but he is a son of an, like, aristocratic family. Or Yeah. yeah. Um, his parents died, and he was essentially sold into slavery and was, I think... Um, over to America, and he was sold to this, um, I guess you would call him, like, I don't know, um, like, a, I don't, I don't love the descriptions they use in the book when they say, you know, like, this white kid was sold to the slave in the south of America, and I'm like, yeah, I don't even know how to touch that, but basically, I guess it was, like, his, he was a slave to this guy whose name is Prince. Yeah, Prince. Like, the artist formerly known as... 
which is very funny every time they bring him up. So, the thing with the human trafficking is, I mean, England in general has a very rough, (laughs) I'm putting this so lightly when I really shouldn't be, but um, (laughs) they have a rough history with slavery and human trafficking. I'm sure there was um, definitely human trafficking of orphans or young children on the streets being kidnapped and sold into trafficking. I'm sure. I don't know what fully enough about the history to say like how big a percentage of that was like white kids yeah i'm gonna say i don't know enough about the history to like fully talk about it yeah. but it does feel icky when they use the words and say the things we're just gonna roll this back put a bookmark in here and go into like the world setting because the world setting is a victorian setting but it's written by a japanese author so it's not somebody who has lived and grown up in britain it's somebody in japan who has like their own history of colonialism and it really feels like a love letter to the uk like yeah the backgrounds my notes just kept being like the backgrounds are so gorgeous. Oh my god, they're so pretty. Like, mm-hmm. you can see the wind in their hair as they walk by the ocean. I definitely They go to, like, feel... fairs and into big castles. Mm-hmm. And it's just the streets and everything is, like, really alive. And it feels very mm-hmm. English. I definitely feel, reading this, that the author was probably a big fan of, like, Victorian literature or specifically um, Jane Austen. Because there's um, some references I pick up specifically in um, the later volume that we'll talk to when we get to there. But, yeah, it's very much a romanticized version of the Victorian era, which can be an issue because it also brushes over the not-so-good sides, even though it touches on them in a sense. It's like, it is, at its core, a story about rich white people in that era so it doesn't touch on any of the other issues that happen and it acts like the only things that were being done back then were done to people like that and i mean we're definitely going to get for all of history into a conversation about the only dark-skinned character that appears in the text and his treatment because uh it's it's not great but we're gonna pause for a second because stella's (laughs) crying at the door stella let her in no she wants out so I'm just going to hold on. Okay. <laughs> I'm totally going to leave that math thing in. You can't stop me. Don't bark, you. We're bad at math and the world needs to know. Okay, I'm back. Welcome back. Before we spiral off into Raven territory, we'll spend <laughs> a couple more minutes talking about Edgar. Um, I just wanted to point out a lot of the stuff he does. If he wasn't hot, he would be the villain. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing that's, like, interesting about Edgar. And I think it comes more so in volume... Volume 2 of the light novels, 3 and 4 of the manga. um, Where it's like, he wants to be a better version of himself. But he's also very much tied to the trauma that was associated with um, being under Prince. Yeah, so he has this traumatic childhood. He's spending all of his time and energy trying to like self-actualize at this point. Yeah, the first two volumes are mostly about him trying to be the Earl, trying to get back his status. Mm-hmm. And with him, it's like, it's interesting sometimes. And there are times where I'd like him and then he'd immediately do something that I'd be like, oh no. Like there was a time, Ermine is so his two servants, Ermine mm-hmm. and Raven. So he'd be, there was a scene where he was like talking to Ermine and it was really heartfelt and it seemed like they really cared about each other. And then he picked up the cat and tried to throw it in the fire. And I was like, <laughs> okay, dude. so hold on. I have in my notes, because I got to that scene, Edgar 
is going to be in Maddie's bad books because of Nico. Yes! <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> I was just like, okay, no, final straw. <laughs> yeah, Edgar is a very interesting protagonist because sometimes I feel like he's a really, like, well-written, like, deep character. And other times he kind of falls into, like, the typical why love interest BS that came out. Mm-hmm. He'll, like, grab her arm and try to kiss her while she's yeah, like, no, don't. You know? But since she's blushing and he's hot, it's not creepy. Yeah. Even though it's violating consent. <laughs> so it's one of those ones where you get really close to him being like, oh, maybe he's just a terrible guy. And then it's like, oh, no, we're back into, like, yeah. the... <laughs> Actually, he hasn't grown at all. <laughs> so he is traveling with um, two other characters, Ermine and Raven, yes. who are brother and sister. And they share the same half traumatic brother, past sister. with Edgar in which they were kidnapped and sold into slavery to Prince. And it's Edgar, Ermine, and Raven have essentially escaped from Prince's hold and have fled off to England where they are trying to establish Edgar as a rule so that uh, Earl so that they can kind of find a place within British society away from Prince. Yes. And their trio has all the makings of, like, the kind of relationship I should love. Like, I love the friendships where it's like you have a shared traumatic backstory and you would do anything for each other. But I don't actually love the way it was handled. Uh, I guess we should just go ahead and say Ermine dies in volume two. And she does it because she spent the whole of her runtime as a character basically pining over Edgar and Edgar being like, but I don't love you like that. I love you like a sister. And she's like, uh, there's like a thing where she's like, you should kiss me and stuff just so that I know you're my master. Because I guess she was sexually assaulted by Prince and now she wants to. So I said in my notes, Ermine is a character who has suffered a lot, carries a lot of trauma, who lacks the resources to kind of stabilize herself, yeah. like mentally. So she kind of falls into a kind of toxic pattern that she finds comfort in. When it's not a good relationship. That's true. If that makes sense. Yeah, there that's a is... good way to look at it. Like, she jumps off a cliff because apparently she's been feeding Prince information about Edgar to mm-hmm. try to stay with him longer. And she feels really guilty about that. And she tries to take Lydia with her. And then they rescue Lydia, but she lets go. And she falls into the water. And it doesn't feel like the end for her. But then in the manga, it ends up being the end. Like, she just doesn't yeah. come back up. And sometimes they'll we mention, like, I'm so sad, Ermine's dead. But they never really grieve for her visibly or anything and it just feels kind of weird it doesn't feel like it should be over that's kind of her thing like in the manga that's the end of her arc um i'm gonna come back to her when we talk about because i want to talk about kind of the light novels and how it because there's a lot of context in the light novels that is missed in the manga that kind of finishes the character arcs that are introduced in the manga so okay. we'll come back we'll to her character at the end. Just like, if we were reading <laughs> like, it. Yeah. Okay. Put a pin in that and we'll get back to her. You and wanted to tackle the Raven Raven. Problem? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Raven is Ermine's brother. Um, he but is... He's her, he's her half-brother. Yeah. Um, and then one of his parents is a demon or a bad Fair. fairy or Okay, something? so... Fairy lore, you have the Seelie Court, which are, like, the good fairies, to put it in, like, a very simplistic way. And then you have the Unseelie Fairies, which are, like, the bad court, 
which is again a very simplistic version of yes. the thing because very fairies in general do not follow the moral guidelines that we as humans follow mm-hmm. so in a sense every fairy is a bad fairy in a human's point of view and poetry whatnot <laughs> so <laughs> that's essentially it so raven is um the only dark skin character in the manga and i think in the light novel like series as a whole ermine has light skin he has dark skin and the reason for his dark skin is because he has fairy blood in him so he's very much specifically bad fairy blood yeah like unseely fairy blood is the reason why he has dark skin like it's not good at all no. Um, and then the fact that he spends the whole runtime as a servant and not showing yeah. any emotion is like that's the thing. He is a very a bad like, trope. stoic character. Um, he is a servant. He needs a master in order to survive. I think it's said in the first two volumes that he's like possessed, or of the manga that he's like possessed by a spirit that has like a bloodlust, and that he yeah. needs a master. So he master. kills a lot of people and he doesn't feel bad about it. Yeah, and he needs, like, a master to control the spirit within him. So it's a very uncomfortable position that the author has placed him in. Like, it's not... It's very poor taste. Yeah. Which is a very light way of putting it that I should be, but... um, But despite what the story does to him, he's a great character, and I can tell that the author really, like, even if she doesn't realize what she's doing she really loves him and i know that mm-hmm. because the four coma <laughs> comics at the back are the best i've maybe ever read they're so funny <laughs> they're so great it's just because he plays like the straight man in the jokes mm-hmm. and it works so perfectly um like there's the one where she tries to make him laugh and she says like a japanese anachronism he just goes please avoid ruining the british atmosphere of the earl and the fairy with japanese anachronisms and that's the end of the four <laughs> It's it's very good. The thing with Raven is, I think in, like, volumes three and four, he does show a little bit more personality than we see at the very beginning. Because these are also the very beginning of their character arcs throughout the series. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's very incomplete, which I think is, like, the biggest disservice to Raven, especially because of, like, how he's depicted in the Mm -hmm. series. I don't think, from the context I know of the light novels, it improves. Like, it improves it a little bit, but not really. Still a very bad portrayal. Yeah. So, that's Raven. Um, That's so Raven. (laughs) Do we want to talk about Huxley? What happens to him? He just disappears, and he never comes back after volumes one and two. Huxley is, like kind of they're they're the antagonist he's the villain and he keeps showing up and he keeps trying to kill people and then he just since edgar's the one who gets the marrow star Mm -hmm. in a very pretty underwater scene the only scene where he really expresses like any kind of emotion about ermine's death lydia saves him and then he has the marrow star and then huxley is never heard from again and he's not a problem anymore he's just not an issue he's like a footnote antagonist within the series as a whole. Okay. Kind of. So, he was just... Yeah, he was just the antagonist for the first arc, and he's not relevant anymore. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I've got nothing to add about him. That's, like, pretty much what and it is. And we drag him into the trash, and he's gone forever. <laughs> All right. So, cool. do we want to go into volumes three and four, which is the second book of the light novels? Yes. So, now Edgar is the Earl. Yeah, and so. Lydia's working for him, and they're living in London. 
Um, she is his fairy doctor. Yeah. I just want to roll back to just the world setting and the plot before we get into the characters. The world and setting of volume three and four is that it takes place in London, which is different from the first two volumes where it was more so the countryside. Mm-hmm. The plots of three and four is it follows a um, classic gothic novel in which you have an orphan girl with a large inheritance who is trapped by an evil relative, typically an uncle, who wants to steal said inheritance. And there's usually some sort of ghostly appearance, which in this case is the fog man, which is some sort of creature that comes and, like, kidnaps children. Um, I had no idea this was a trope, but now that you say it, it does sound pretty trope. I was just like, oh no, it's the fog man. But here's a really (laughs) exciting thing is the relevant characters for this arc is Doris Walpole and her cousin Rosalie and Rosalie. the Rosalie and the author of what is considered the first gothic novel is Horace Walpole Oh, that's cute! So yeah, yeah, this author adores English literature, you can <laughs> tell. <laughs> I, like, found that out. It was, like, geeking over it last night. It was Aww. great. <laughs> so that's just, You're like, my nerd. <laughs> yeah, so the plot of three and four is that this young girl, um, Doris, has gone missing, and they believe that the Fogman has kidnapped her. And they're at, um, Lydia and Edgar are trying to find out what has happened to Doris. And part of them suspect yeah. it to be her cousin Rosalie, who... Rosalie. Rosalie. <laughs> it's okay. I know you just read words and say them in your head. I know. So, <laughs> Rosalie. Lydia is also a little bit suspicious of Edgar because he has been flirting around with Rosalie and um, was last seen with Doris before she disappeared. So, Lydia is kind of suspicious of Edgar constantly throughout, but also <laughs> she's got the weird, like, straight people lust for him. <laughs> so she, like, doesn't trust him, but she doesn't want to abandon him. And oh, like, I forgot there's a part in volume two where she's like, but you're the only person who's ever needed me. And I was like, girl, what you need is therapy. And that's what why she sticks with him. Is actual human interaction. Oh, yeah, but it's fine i guess because she reigns him in it would feel way worse if lydia wasn't as strong of a character like she doesn't let him get away with stuff which is good i think one of my notes for um volume three and four was that the thing with lydia is part of her wants to save edgar from himself but she's not doing the legwork for him you know what i mean like there are times where she says you're wrong for behaving this way and then she like leaves him to his own devices and does what she believes is right and then it's kind of up to him whether or not he follows and supports her or doesn't doesn't bother trying to like bargain with him she just yeah she's not afraid to leave him behind because there's a scene where so it's revealed that doris and rosalie's uncle is behind the kidnapping because he is trying to steal or he has been what was it yeah, he's been embezzling um, Doris's inheritance because he's in a lot of gambling. He also has an underground business of human trafficking. He was the one who sold Edgar to Prince. Yes. So um, he's kind of part of this crime ring that Edgar, we find out, Edgar has even more trauma that he dumps on Lydia, talks about. 
where, you know, a lot of his friends from back in those days have died and he knew like a lot of kids and only him and Ermine and Raven escaped. And now we're And it just gets more and more dead. about his past. Yeah. Yeah. So in we're very much volumes. going into more more in depth into Edgar's trauma as a child. So yeah. the uncle has decided that he's going to sell Doris off to slavery, steal her inheritance, and he's going to pin all the blame on Rosalie, who Rosalie? has been... Rosalie. <laughs> Remember when we used to play Mario Kart and you said it was the Grand Prix and then I was like, it's Grand Prix and your mom was like, oh, thank God. I'm just going to continue pronouncing things wrong. I'm going to forget which one's right. It's okay. It's because you read so much. It means you're actually smart. So, So, she is being manipulated by uh, the Boogie Beast? The Bogey Beast. The Bogey Beast. Boogie Beast sounds like he dances a lot. <laughs> I really beast. like the look of the bo- the bogey. Be- I actually the way she draws all of the fairies are kind of really incredible. I thought the brownies from the first volume were mm-hmm. adorable, and the bogey beast just looks like basically a dust bunny with like a mean <laughs> nose and smile it's on true. gross legs. And you can tell he's meant to be an evil fairy. And I I, I like the look of this guy. <laughs> I just the art in this. It's just so good. I absolutely adore the it's, art. Yeah. It's, Especially, it's really again, good. I cannot talk enough about the backgrounds are like, mm-hmm. they make me want to go back to England. It's just, it's so beautiful. But, so, Rosalie? Rosalie? Rosalie. <laughs> is being manipulated by um, the beast, who she believes has hatched from this fairy egg to serve her. Um, he is actually serving the fog man, which is trapped within this fairy egg. Yeah, so the fairy egg is a agate. It's like a rock that's got water in it, and that lore of that is that fairies are born out of it if it breaks. So the fog man is trapped in this fairy egg, and the bogey beast is trying to get him out. And then, in order to break out, he wants to kill the earl of whatever it was like Ezer or whatever the Earl which is, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which is Edgar. Which basically. is Edgar. Why did they ever explain why killing him would make the egg break? So it was the descendants of the Earl that trapped the fog man within oh. the egg. So, so he needs a descendant. Egg. So rerunning it back to the first arc there, um the actual descendants of the Blue Knight died like hundreds of years ago in like a shipwreck so the blue knight line is no more edgar is the new earl simply because the fairies have claimed him as the new earl so there's no blood connection it's just purely title or he's been granted the title by the fairies so Mm -hmm. he's like a new step in for the earl so that the fogman can escape going way back to lydia and edgar Mm -hmm. um there's a scene in which they're on the slave ship um, where Ro- Rosalie Rosalie and Doris. have a Doris. button that you press when you want to say it and I'll just say it for you. <laughs> Rosalie and Doris are trapped within the boat and Lydia was also kidnapped. Edgar saved Lydia. I'm not going to go into the whole thing with what happened to Lydia, but she's been kidnapped in the boat. Edgar saved her. She wanted to save... Bottle. Yeah. She it's wanted fine. to save the two cousins. He didn't want to because 
he doesn't think kindly of them, basically. Yeah. Um, she says, even if they treated you terribly, you should still help them because that's what a good person does. And then she goes off to save them by herself. Mm-hmm. And then he joins because, again, he kind of wants to be the better person than what he is. Or you could read it as he wants Lydia to like him. <laughs> it, it's a mix of him wanting to be a better person and him wanting Lydia to like him. Like, he wants to be a better person partially because he wants Lydia to like him. Yeah. If that makes sense. Which is why, again, the romance is... This is kind of the part where the romance is well done. And then it kind of goes back into the whole, like, what I said, YABS type thing. In this... Okay, see, this... This is, like, the point where I just couldn't anymore, because it's like they're trying to make it seem like it's cute and romantic, but not one chapter before. He has her soul in a bottle and he literally just drops it fully expecting it to break and Nico has to catch her she would have died he would have killed her like i don't care how much he thinks he likes her you can't just kill her like it's, it just it gets so close to a really well done like jane austen romance and then it falls into like a pit hole yeah, and then it kind of drags itself back up again and then stumbles back into it and it it's such an interesting mix of, like, trying to be this Victorian romance and also falling into these shoujo tropes that just make me grind my teeth, you know? <laughs> Actually, with Lydia still, I wanted to talk a bit about how you can kind of tell it was a novel because you can see her internal monologue a lot more than I think you normally would. Like, there'll be times where she's talking and then yeah. also you're reading what she's thinking to the side. And I wonder if we read the novels, if I would like Lydia more as a protagonist, because I would know what she's thinking, or if it would just make it worse and more insufferable knowing what she's Mm. feeling about Edgar. Yeah, that's hard to say. We'll we'll talk a bit about the light novels and to her character. Because when you write a novel, like, you inherently have to be... Mm-hmm. in someone's perspective and Lydia would be like the perspective character but yeah. she also kind of starts out not naive to the world like she's she's never traveled I guess but she knows a lot about fairies mm-hmm. so I don't know it's kind of like as the audience you're following her but also there are times where she's explaining things to you and it juggles back and forth between the different characters mm-hmm. because her knowledge of fairies is through her mom so there are times where she's lacking. Like, she doesn't know how to trap the fog man, which is an issue when the fog man escapes from the fairy egg. Mm. And then they end up getting saved by the tin can that Nico has been carrying around, which has, like, these, um, what were they called? It's like a can of fish, and Nico's just carrying it around. Like, I can't believe there's fish in here. And then it's not fish, it's fairies, and they save the day. <laughs> well, I mean, like, because he... He was gonna, like, open the can because it had fish in it, and then he heard voices in it, so he knew something was in there. So there was kind of, like, hints that the thing that was in the tin can could stop the Fogman, and then it does. But, like, again, Lydia lacks that kind of information. Like, she has a lot more information about the fairy realm than other people, but she's still young and inexperienced, because this is only, like, her second job as a fairy doctor so far. Yeah. So that could be interesting to see her learning. Because, yeah, I don't feel like I know as much about her as a protagonist as I would if it was a novel. Yeah. So then we want to go to Raven. Um, He's not as much of a main character in this one. No. Um, He does begin to show more independence and personality in comparison to the first arc. 
Where I remember there was of... one panel where he was showing an emotion on his face, and I was like, <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> he kind of, like, challenges Edgar and his decisions, especially with how he treats Lydia. He makes a weird bet with Lydia where he's like, I don't think Edgar's going to take advantage of you. And she's like, I think he will. And he's like, I bet you he won't. And I was like, what are you doing, Raven? What are you doing here? But then he also made a bet with Edgar. And I can't tell if it was just like he would have extra one or like he kind of canceled his own bet. But he's just kind of in the background observing and he does his thing. I think Raven is also rooting for Edgar to be a better person. Because... yeah. Edgar in 3 and 4 carries a lot of guilt about being, like, one of the only surviving kids from Prince. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of the leader that helped those kids escape. So he kind of blames himself for their deaths. Yeah. And he, the way he frames it is at first he, like, tells a story about this kid he knew who died. And then it ends up being himself. And it's the story Mm -hmm. of every kid also. Because he, like, feels so connected, I think, to all of the other kids. That they're, like, a part of himself. And he can't really be himself until his ideas of those kids are free. And so now he's going after revenge. Against the prince. Mm -hmm. Yeah, against Prince. But then that's the thing about just ending at volume four. Is we never even see Prince. He, like... I think he kills Graham. Does he kill him? He hits him over the head with a stick and then he's never seen again. He definitely knocks him out. I think there's a lot that's kind of unfinished because they kind of defeat the Fogman, rescue the cousins. Um, The cousins there go off to the um, countryside and then it kind of returns back to Edgar's place where Lydia receives more letters for more jobs as a fairy doctor. And they kind of that's the end. Yeah. You know? So we're left with a lot of unanswered stuff. I it's, was like, what happened to Ermine? What happened to Huxley, who is Prince? And also, like, interestingly, the relationship doesn't resolve at all. It's like, like it's a show Like, they don't even kiss, I don't think. There's, like, one they, like, scene where it's maybe, kiss. like... Yeah, it's, it's like an almost kiss, but it's not there. Like, it's the very beginning of their relationship character mm-hmm. arc. So there's a lot of unfinished stories... That. Which is good, because I probably would have been very frustrated if they'd rushed them into a relationship just for the end of this. It does not feel like they're there yet. Okay, so before we get into the story beyond the manga, I want to talk a bit about um, Rosalie. Okay. Just a small bit, which is to say that when she's introduced as a character, she's very much the like typical white love rival who like you as a reader is supposed to hate. Yes. Because she's, she's all over Edgar. She's the girly girl. She's to mean Lydia's towards Lydia. She's terrible towards to Lydia. Yeah. Constantly puts yeah. her in danger. Is terrible towards her cousin. But mm-hmm. near the end of the story, she's portrayed more in a sympathetic light because she's been used by um, her uncle there yeah. and abandoned by him, who she was had a close relationship to. Um, Edgar dangles her out of a window and threatens to kill her, which kind yeah. of disillusions her to having a crush on him for some reason. Because the thing with um, her as well, she is a young woman. Her, it's revealed that her parents have also died, so she's also an orphan, probably with a her- an inheritance as well, who is mm. controlled by her uncle. Um, women in that age, they couldn't own a house, they couldn't own land. Um, their inheritance... Especially because I think she's like 16, right? Like yeah. Right at the age where she's not an adult, can't take control of her life not a child can't her inheritance is there but it's only there to be managed by male relatives um her livelihood is dependent on her marriage which is partially why she goes after edgar 
because he is a good suitor for her to have an established livelihood beyond her uncle. So she's just trying to get back in control of her life after Mm -hmm. it was all thrown around. So she's also afraid of um, losing her cousin Doris, who finds out yeah. what they're on. And she's a control doing. freak for that too, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's always trying to assert her control over Doris and like push her around. By being and she just wants some sort of order in her life again. Because she's also afraid. Because her and Doris share that connection of being orphaned as young kids. They have that shared trauma that she is afraid of losing that relationship with her, and as a result, yeah. she is mean towards her. So her character arc near the end is kind of her realizing that she needs to change her behavior in order to, like, restore that relationship. And then it ends with the two of them kind of reconciling and then, like, leaving for the country. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's the part where she has Rosalie and she's like, let's go get Doris. And Rosalie is terrified. Like, no, I can't face her. Right? She's like, I've done all these things. And then, like, my uncle has been doing all these things and using me without my knowledge and has hurt her so much. So and she, she doesn't know how to face her. what she's doing, and she is like, just she trying to get everything wrong. in control again. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. You meet her in the very, in volume three, and she's very much a vain, bratty child, but near the end you Pretty see she's a lot more complex than that, and is more sympathetic near the end. Yep. So I really do appreciate yeah, that character true. arc with her. I like her a lot better now that I've <laughs> thought about her. <laughs> I was just mostly annoyed by her in the story, honestly, until now. Okay, shall we go into the story beyond the manga? Please tell me everything. So, I'm so curious. The light novel series is unfortunately not licensed in English. However, mm-hmm. it has a very in-depth character description on Wikipedia. All which right, covers yeah. the series. So, <laughs> shout out to Wikipedia. <laughs> so, as I said, the main story runs for 27 volumes. Um, Lydia and Edgar become engaged in volume 9, and their engagement carries on until they get married in volume 14. That's like a fifth, that's like 5% (laughs) of the story. (laughs) Um, they actually have a son together in volume 24. How, how much of this, their life does this cover? And then the last two volumes are about their son. In which Wild. their son, whose name is Alvin, has been given a prophecy <laughs> <Alvin>. <laughs> that he has to kill his father. What? <laughs> so, Alvin. Let's go into some character arcs that are revealed in the light novel that we miss. Sure Ready? Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunk <laughs> standing over his father's corpse and it's just, just okay. like Alvin. So it's. Oh yeah, no! Please, rapid Ready? fire, go. It's revealed that Lydia is actually a part fairy through her mother's side. Okay. I Um, believe it. So, it's revealed that Edgar's parents were murdered by Prince, who wanted to raise Edgar as his successor, and is actually distantly related to Prince. How- why would he treat him like a slave if he wants to raise him as his successor? (laughs) So, the Prince is actually a title- whose memories are passed through generations and is tied to the unsealy court. So the prince arc is tied into a larger um, arc where the unsealy court is kind of trying to take over the moral realm. And they created this... It's It's like there's a bloodline and then you have this like prince character. So each generation takes on the title of prince and then they are given the memories of the previous prince 
So that's wild. Edgar was essentially kidnapped to be given um, the memories of Prince and to become the new Prince. Sure. Um, it is revealed that Ermine was to be Edgar's wife when he became Prince. She was oh, that taken sucks for her, which is why. <laughs> if only she'd lived a little longer. <laughs> which is again why she had um, her relationship with Edgar. In which she wanted, she was essentially being manipulated as a young child to be his wife, and he didn't want that, and he saw more. Um, Ermine actually, Ermine actually returns in the story. She returns as a selkie. That's what it feels like should happen. What? She returns as a selkie. It's like a type of water fairy, I think. Because that's how she, like, yeah. dies as she falls into the water. Selkies were the things in the can, weren't they? Or no? No, those, those were sylphs. wind fairies. They were, Never yeah. mind. They, they were, like, the merma- mermaids in the first. Love those um, guys. So she was Mermaid actually... Butler, best character, by the way. <laughs> so she anyway. was revived by the Unseely Court. And she is working as a spy for the Unseely Court. And actually okay. betrays Edgar to the Unseely Court again. But she is also Man, trying Armin, to tip... Get some therapy! Stop doing this! <laughs> she is trying to tip the scales in his power. So she's kind of, like, being used by the Unseelie Court to betray him, but she's also wanting to put him in a position where he ends up, like, defeating the Unseelie Court. So I believe... I, I don't know if she ends up dying or if she just, like, betrays him and then leaves. So... Again, that's you mean her. dying again? She ends up dying again. I'm not for the second sure time. about that. <laughs> Man, this is like YA novels. I love it. I miss reading trashy <laughs> YA novels. Get so that's kind that. of her character arc that we miss out in the manga, which kind of goes into her backstory with like the prince and her role and that. Um, Ravens is a little bit more complicated. So let me see if I can get Imagine this right. Ravens character being complicated. Huh? God. So in. I think it's volume two or so, Raven reveals that he is being, like, possessed by a spirit. He's actually being possessed by two spirits, which is a snake and a bird. So, <laughs> Me too! <laughs> the snake... How do I put this? Um, I don't think Raven's nationality is ever... Or, ethnicity? They call him ethnicity, yes. Yeah. They call him the Arabian at one point, and I was like, ooh... They do, but that's through, um, Rose. You can do it. You can do it. Rose. You can do it. <laughs> Rosalie? Rose- yeah, you did it! Okay. <laughs> okay, so, it's Rosalie who comments that he's Arabian, but she doesn't have, like, she only knows him through, like, sight, so yeah, it might be that like she's a- just thinks he is Arabian, not that he actually is. Yeah. But anyway, so Ermine and Raven are from a tribe. I don't know what the name of the tribe is, but this tribe has a king, and within this tribe, there is usually a child that is born with the spirit of a snake who has the role to protect the king. Raven is that child for that generation, but he is kidnapped and sold into slavery so to the prince. Becomes the king. So Edgar takes on the role of the king. So that is okay. kind of why he's loyal to Edgar is it's more so that the snake has attached himself sure. to Edgar. Don't know why is... they were like, loyal animal? Hmm, snake, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more so 
it's not Raven as a person who is loyal, who is loyal to Edgar. It's the spirit within him cool. that takes on that role. There is also Tell a bird, bird, which is a physical <laughs> manifestation of the three magical gems sealed within Raven. Huh? I don't know why <laughs> he has gems now. <laughs> I don't know why he has these magical gems like sealed within him, but he does. Good for him. Shine bright <laughs> so like there's a diamond. Just, like, there's a lot going on with Raven. Yeah. Alright. Um, a lot going so, on internally. Like yep. like physically inside of him. So part of why he is a stoic character is essentially to control the spirits that reside within him. Um, throughout the series he does show more emotions and more personality. Good. Like he develops the person. So that. that's his character. It doesn't necessarily improve how he's depicted. No. But it adds more context to his behavior. And I like that, that he sense. has a character arc. Because I felt like yeah. in 3 and 4, he just kind of got shunted to the background. And it wasn't great. I feel like but his character arc going. is definitely spread throughout the series. So we right. see a very small portion of his character arc within the manga in comparison to Lydia and Edgar. Yeah. Well, and as well as Ermine, too. Because Ermine is only in the series with two basically so that's all right pretty much that's the series wild thank you for braving wikipedia for me <laughs> there's like another character um named kelpie who is a fairy oh, horse he's a fairy he's a love rival isn't a kelpie a horse yeah but he <gasps> has like he a, a human form no i hate him now <laughs> yeah no i would hate him too he appears in the um anime but we don't see him in the manga he was Except in one I of think, the four panel yeah, comics. He yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. He's in one of the four coma. There's another character, too, that is in the light novel, but he pops up in the four coma, but he's not in the manga. Yeah. I think it's volume four. It's like Paul or volume something. Volume four is it? Paul. Yeah, in the four coma. Okay. Yeah, the name of the me. artist is Paul. He appeared in um, The Earl and the Fairy, The Soft Proposal. And he okay. just draws fairies. So he is invited to Edgar's mansion to draw fairies. Yeah. Paul getting some <laughs> work. Getting commissions in this mm-hmm. day and age. Good for Paul. So that is pretty much the series that we will unfortunately never see because The Earl and the Fairy came out before the big light novel boom in the U.S. So its fandom is kind of dead and gone. So the chances of it ever getting licensed over here, especially with 27 volumes and it being a shoujo light novel, we'll probably never see it. Overall, I did enjoy this series. I really kind of love the setting and the whimsy of it. And it was just fun to like live in and experience. Even if the characters weren't always fun, it was fun to be mad at them. It was fun to follow them and their many adventures. There were definitely times where I was yelling at the characters for, like, stupid decisions that they were making, but I was still enjoying it as I read it, kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, annoying me to put down the book. Yeah. My question is, for you, is would you read the light novels if they were translated in English? Um, I would probably, I know you would, because you read everything (laughs) that, um, is exists in print. Um, so I'd probably ask you, are they worth reading? And then if they are, I would read them. (laughs) Because it's hard to tell from just these four volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and 27 is a big commitment. Yeah. I don't I don't think I would necessarily... That's the thing. Yeah. No? You don't think you would? 
Mm, I feel like <laughs> this is like theoretical, probably wouldn't happen type thing. But I feel like in order to sell it over here, they would have to do like omnibus type editions to yeah. make it so it's not as long. Because yeah. 27 volumes is a lot. I know so many. <laughs> light novels tend to run long in a sense. I don't think this is like currently a series that would sell a lot to like say, yeah, we would license it. Especially sense, when we have a whole bunch of Victorian era YA. Yeah. Like it's not really bringing anything special to the West, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing too. Yeah. I think it was one that I would. How do I put it? Like, it's definitely one that I would immediately put on my list, but I'm not sure if I would get the entire series. Not because I wouldn't want to, just because 27 is a lot to commit. And then you have four yeah. short stories, so they're 33 volumes in total. <laughs> like, long. Calvin. That's really the thing. I feel like it'd be an interesting read to see the character arc and the full stories because I do like the well, yeah, and like clearly. the fairy tales. And there's a like lot of like character <laughs> stuff going on there. Yeah. Well, what did you think overall? You like it, right? Obviously. Yeah. You own it. Um, it's not in like my top favorites, but it is one of my favorites. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, if somebody asked me what my top one was, I probably wouldn't name it. But in general, it's a series that I would keep on my shelves because I love it. So. Huh. Yeah. All right. Shall we announce our next manga for December? What's the next manga? Manga of the month. So this is one that I know you don't have all the volumes available to you, but I know you know the story and I know you... I know that you can probably find summaries online, um, according to what we've just learned about Wikipedia. Um, so, just like, vision, envision yourself as a child and you're like, I want to get into manga. And you go on the manga reading website that is totally legal, that every teen went on. And you sort all by alphabetical and the first one you click is plus anima. Uh, and since it's the beginning of our podcast, I figured we should start at the very beginning, you know? With plus anima, okay. With plus anima. It'll be good. It's just a shame that the only volumes I'm missing are, like, the end of one character arc and the beginning of another <laughs> character arc, but, I mean, that's all of the volumes in the I don't know if series, we're ever so. gonna find them is the problem. They're just yeah. not anywhere. And I really want to revisit this story, and I have for a while, so let's do it. Okay, we're doing plus anima. So this has been Behold Manga for this month. Um, and as always, stop! stop. You're, You're reading, reading in, in the, the wrong, wrong direction! direction. <laughs>